Okay. We've been doing this podcast for a well, year and a half now? Yes. Years? Yes. Uh, our, our listeners and our viewers know that, but we actually have an audience for the first time ever, which is shocking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. How's GearFest been for you so far? It's been great. It's been very exciting. It, it, it's been incredible seeing this entire facility and peeking behind the curtain of the biggest retailer in, in the country. Really. I have to say, actually, I had not been to Sweetwater before this, and it's unbelievable how, like the warehouse, we did the warehouse tour yesterday, and yeah. I thought it was going to be like, oh yeah, a bunch of boxes, and there you know, a ton of guitars and the, the stuff, but getting to see the, the shop, yeah. the, the modifications, I didn't know. You can buy a Strat on the website, and you can tell them, you know what? I want a hum, single hum configuration. Mm -hmm. I want you to put a Floyd Rose on it, and I want you to pull the frets out of it and give me a shredder, fretless strat. Right. And, and does that speak to the fact that we've not bought enough guitars, you think? Well, yeah, probably <laughs> a little bit. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, just seeing all the, the stuff, it's like the end of Raiders. It was incredible. <laughs> So. It, it really was, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, what's the best thing you've seen up here so far? Seeing the PRS SE Silver Sky was incredible because I hadn't had a chance to play one, and I, I've been slowly over time falling more in love. This we feel really far away right now. Uh, falling in love <laughs> with, with PRS guitars and uh, hearing how great they were and finally getting my hands on it, it was, it was everything everyone said it was, mm -hmm. and it was very surprising yeah. in, in, in the best kind of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what about you? So today I got to sit in on a session that took place in the, the A room here. Right. That Lisa Belladonna was, was heading up. She composed a piece of music this morning in, I think, her hotel room or something. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And two of our guests came and played on it. Mm -hmm. And it was mind-blowing. Yeah. So, with that, does uh, anybody want to join us up here? Yeah, we got, you guys, we got a table. There's a whole table of guests about to walk up here right now. So. Oh, yeah. All yeah, you guys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So, Corey Congilio, Ryan from 60 Cycle Hum. Pete Thorne, Tim Pierce. I don't know if you guys had like a, like a pre-invite and I'm just crashing this, but I'm <laughs> always ready to make a fool of myself with a microphone. This Perfect. Is, this is actually, this is a big deal for us. This is our first time ever having guests on the podcast. Yes, and is. this is our first time now collaborating with another podcast. That's very true. Podcast on a podcast. Yeah. Podception. Oh. Wow. Look at us, man. So, uh, I hate it. Thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, man. We appreciate it. Yeah. So, Pete and Tim, yes, you yes, guys played hello. on that session today. So, what was that like? We had a very uh, different idea of what was going to happen. We thought we were going to do a folk song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you true. showed up with a 12-string acoustic <laughs> yeah. and played this, like, fusion kind of jam, this instrumental jam. Well, yeah. and, and Nick came up and said, hey, you want to do something tomorrow? And we thought, okay, yeah, we'll show up. And apparently some big machine was in the works, scheduling and getting a film crew together. And it was this massive production when we walked in. And there was, was a piece of, of, piece of music written that was, that was, that was, was dialed in and ready to go. There was charts. Yeah. yeah. And was, Tim, Tim just like, 
we saw why Tim is Tim. Tim, <laughs> Tim threw down and rose to the occasion, and it was amazing. Okay, yeah. So I've been watching Tim play guitar for, what, 10 years now have you been on YouTube? And I've been listening to you my entire life? Yeah, okay. I've never heard you take a solo like you did today on that so session. Well, thanks. It was like just jumping off of a ship into a very active ocean, you know? You did two takes. The first take was, was great. You were, yeah. Both of you guys were kind of feeling out the part. And then the second take, he just opened the taps. And we were all sitting in the control room like, what? Yeah, where does that come from? Where did that come from? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it's just E minor with some extra notes. Yeah, that's, okay. how I, yeah. that's how I navigate jazz, basically. Yeah. Oh, I play that sometimes, too. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it. You can do that's it. all jazz is, really. It's just E minor with some extra notes. Yeah. You know? And so. I was, I, it was kind of like one of those moments, like a little bit like a dream, where I, I had this 12-string acoustic, because that's what I You were ready for the folk session. And I was ready for the folk session. I was like, I guess I'm going to make this work. And it was like <laughs> the a... The look on your face a, when you walked in was like... Yeah, there's like blazing keys and piano going on, a lot of chords and stuff, and I've got this 12 string, and it was like, you're gonna find a part. No, it worked it though, work, because over work. the over the like the last section of the song, yeah. you just droned an E over the entire chord progression, and it yeah. fit. It was cool. Yeah, it was just finding your place. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Tim blew me away. I was just like, I was looking at you out there, and I was just like. Oh my God! The way I didn't know you played like, but and then I was like, of course he does. He's Tim. Yeah, great. I, I had to do that a lot in the '90s and yeah. the early 2000s. So cool. You had to put us in our place, I think, and just remind us all who's boss here. I think. Don't poke the bear. Yeah. <laughs> how, do, how do you, when when like you get into that sort of situation, how do you prepare? I mean, do you just walk in blind most of the time? Always, or? yeah. It, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be this invincible machine, and I never was. So I, what I did is I stood up and I smiled. <laughs> and with guitar, you can, you can really play on beat two, so if you kind of don't know what the chord is, you can hear and go, <clears throat> and just jump on something. Right. So, and there's, you know, I actually took certain moments, I really tried to step out so that they knew I was you know, legitimately supposed to be there, and then other moments, you hide. Okay. If, you, if, if it's, a, you know, a series of chord changes you're not comfortable with, just lay out for a second. And then that E drone over that last set of chords, I did that too. Yeah, that was your suggestion. Wow. You were like, because they were like, they were, they were adult chords. <laughs> and I was like, how do I even play that on a guitar? <laughs> yeah, I looked at the chart. Like, Lisa handed out a handwritten chart, and I looked at it at the end of the session, and I was like, yeah, this is above my pay grade. <laughs> totally. There's more, there's more than three chords here, and they're not all triads, so I don't know what to do over this. Yeah. So are you guys going to, like, publish the song before you publish this podcast so you <laughs> can know what you're talking about? Well, Sweetwater shot the whole thing. There was, like, yeah. 12 cameras in there. Yeah. Really nice cameras, actually. It ended up like it was. I love that. It turned when that out happens. great, guys. It yeah. turned out really great. Like, I love it when just, a plan comes together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like take two. Was like, like we got to the end. And I was like, that was actually pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> All because of Tim, really. No, everybody played. Bro I mean, Nick. Nick can play the drums. Like Ooh. he's great. Yeah. And the, he's a great the, singer too, right? Nick. Oh, you were saying he's a great yeah. singer, yeah. I haven't heard him sing. Whoever was on piano was... Yeah, I don't, who was playing piano with you? I, I, I met him, there, I forgot his there name. With him. I was in there with him, but it was so fast. And Jacob okay, great, Dupre. thank you. Jacob, yeah, he was thank brilliant. Oh my God. Yeah. He was outstanding. Yeah. yeah, so that was the highlight of my Gear Fest. Corey, how was Gear Fest for you? What's the highlight been? 
In all honesty, the highlight has been seeing the joy in Tim Pierce's face when he played the Murphy Lab Les Paul. Not once, not twice, but probably a dozen times. Yep. And it was almost like he was sneaking into like his dad's closet to like find, you know, because I was up in the room, the rig roll room, doing something, and it was almost like, oh, am I supposed to be? Can I can I come in and try this? And we were talking about the, I think it was Brett and I were talking about the 24-hour thing. Like if you play a guitar and it doesn't leave your brain for 24 hours, that's the one. Like you need to get that guitar. So I've had several conversations with my wife so far. <laughs> yeah, you left with a guitar. You want to talk about the guitar, or you are? Yeah, with it a guitar? just it spoke. It, it felt great. It sounded. And there was something when I first picked it up, and I was like, okay, I'm not buying anything, but this feels pretty good. Okay, and then and then we did something where we turned the amp on, and it was like, oh, it's very clear sounding, and and, and it feels good. It's not too heavy, and it kind of it's springy and and uh, alive and. You know, the words stop popping in your head. I can't describe it, but it's, it sings, it pops, you know, whatever. And, and so you get intoxicated. And then what I always do is I either leave the building or spend the night and come back you know, sober. Let the excitement die off. Came back this morning, and I liked it better. Oh. And it we sounded all- better. It sounds amazing through an amp. No, I'm saying we all know that feeling internally that we have when we, a piece of gear really. But I've never been this close to someone and feeling that energy, and it was palpable. <laughs> yeah, at dinner last night you were telling me like, no, 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 it's not that good. It's not that good. You don't need to. Don't worry about it. You know. Can you, can we all tell just how much we love Tim Pierce? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. When Wait, you so get what to be is my gu- age, you'll uh, understand. <laughs> what is the guitar? Because you didn't actually say what you're Okay, what you're so getting. it's a Murphy Lab 59 Les Paul, aged cherry, cherry burst, right? Something like that. Uh, and it's got a little scratch right here. Um, Tom did it's that. Not, yeah, exactly. It's not too heavy. Um, what else can I say? Sounds good. I know all the details. The neck is, like, I got to play it for a second there. The neck was really nice. Really nice. I love how they're doing the little less shoulder now. It Mm -hmm. feels feels right. I I feel like they finally nailed the thing they've been chasing. The the thing they've been claiming every year, like, no, this is it. But I feel like they're finally at the point where it really is about as close as you can get Mm -hmm. without shelling out a quarter of a million dollars. And, uh, yeah, those guitars are really something special. And I really got the bug when I saw Corey buy his. And the way his voice kind of trembled when he talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> he can't have all the fun. I called I, Brett Papa immediately. I said, hey, remember that Marshall you were thinking about buying? And there was a little high vibrato. Uh, I need to sell that now. <laughs> he happily obliged, so he bailed me out. <laughs> so what is it that the rest of you guys look for when you're... Or what is it that, that lets you know that that instrument is something that you have to get or, you know, go for? Like, is, is it similar to what Tim was talking about? It's just that immediate sort of connection that, that you feel with it? Is that... Yeah, I, I think I know pretty much in the first, like, minute of holding a guitar, like, oh, I want this. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily going to talk myself into it, but I know, like... I'd be very, very happy to have this, and I don't need to know anything else about it. I just know that, yeah, I connect with this. You right. know? That happens immediately. Like, it's very, very rare that I pick up a guitar, and it takes me a month to warm up to it, and then I'm in love. Like The love happens in the first minute, 
and I never had it catch up to me later, you know? Never? You've never, like... I don't think so. No? No, think of me, I don't... I think every guitar that I love, it, like, it was pretty immediate. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy to think about, right? Sure. That happens. It's like, I remember my uh, 335. It's a, it's a player, 335. It's uh, 1963, but it's had a... Uh, now had two headstock repairs. When I got it, it had one, and then there was an unfortunate incident and had to get it fixed again. <clears throat> but anyway... Um, it's original pickups, and it has one PAF and a, and a patent number in the bridge. And the guitar, okay, I remember being at the, a vintage guitar store in L.A., and there was a bunch of players sitting around, kind of passing around this old Strat, plugged into an amp, and Dave Kalish was playing. He's this great guitar player, and, and he's, he's playing this 65 Strat. It sounds really good, and playing around. Let's check out that 335 over there that just came in as a trade-in or something. And I didn't even play the guitar. He played it. He plugged it in. And he played one note, and the guitar just went, and took off into feedback, and he said, and then we all forgot about the strap. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I, I heard the guitar. I didn't even play the guitar. Right. And I was like, how much is that guitar? And I ended up with it. And it's just, it's, so, you know, so, you know, it's like you said, it's instant. It's sometimes. instant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can't really reproduce that moment, and if you have that moment with the guitar, I mean, they're, they're all they're, they're guitars. They're guitars. There's a lot of guitars around. But if you have that moment, then it kind of locks something in with that instrument, and it's, it's hard to shake that. Can't forget it. Yeah. Yeah, the idea from head to hands is faster than it was in the other guitar that you thought you loved it, it's for like, me. It, when it feels like it just becomes part of your body immediately, then it's like, oh, great. Now I'm going to buy another thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, some, some guitars you play, and they're a bit of a... A struggle in your hands, like you, you kind of have to fight with it, or like Tim, that Les Paul, I liked it, but it wasn't. I didn't connect with that Les Paul on the same level that that you did, you know. So it's totally subjective thing. I love Les Pauls, and those Murphy Labs are incredible, but that one I picked up and was like, yeah, this is good. This is a good one. But but then when you heard it, you you thought it was good, right? When you but played you, it. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because we did a video with, with Robert Baker yesterday on, on fuzzes. And yeah. when you would, like, roll down that the volume on, on that fuzz and it, like, just had this high-fidelity sort of sparkle thing. I could see see it in, in your face. You kind of stopped talking. Like, we were on camera shooting a video, but you just sort of stopped talking and just played for a minute. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you you actually gave me permission to buy it too, and a lot of people. Don't put did. that on me, man. I didn't, <laughs> no, no. I checked with everybody. I thought it was your wife. And everyone, yeah. even and even Ben Ben Eller played it today, and he said, "Man, they told me you got that, and I see why." So I feel good. No, and that so, is a thing though too. Of like, you have a few trusted people around you whenever it comes to gear purchases, because these are major things that we're talking about here. Major decisions and purchases. It's not like, you know dropping all this money on a amp or a guitar or whatever is just something that's easy to do. So every best piece of gear I've bought, I've checked with like three or four people right. and, and everyone signs off on it and then you're like... That's cool. I like that. Like, well, I remember... the, the other thing we talked about, I'm sorry to interrupt, Pete, oh, really quickly, if you don't do it, you lose it forever. And we've all had that experience. Awesome. So, Absolutely. Don't want to spend anything and 
you got to do it. You got to take. You got to take the leap. Otherwise, it's gone forever. So, I lost an old Laney that way. It, it <laughs> snuck away from me. A, a Laney uh, supergroup that I waited on, you know, and I, somebody bought it out from under me twenty minutes earlier. I showed up with the money. It was gone. Oh, already. Yeah. 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 yeah, it happens. Yeah. So this this morning, first thing, uh, the 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 Sweetwater social media team grabs me like, oh, we want to film something. So Steve and I, my co-host uh, for for my podcast, we go over to the used department that they have here. And we're like, oh, we cover used stuff. Let's let's check it out. And there's this Gretchen there. I'm like, that looks really nice. It's some 1960s Gretchen. I don't even know the model number. I'm not really a Gretsch fanboy, but it looks cool. They pull it down off the wall for me. And the moment it's in my hands, I'm like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like, this is, this is bad. And then the guy hands me a cable. You want to plug it in? It's like, don't, stop, please stop it. Please, okay, yes, I want to plug it in. And then I plugged it into a Pro Reverb. And... Now I want the, the guitar and the Pro Reverb, and they're like trying to bully me, bully me into buying it. They're like, what is this? What are you people doing to me right now? Yeah, and Steve's yeah. like, yeah, buy it, buy it. <laughs> and I'm still thinking about it right now. And it was just like... You should probably buy it. It's, stop, stop. <laughs> it's like perfectly, like appropriately aged for how old it is, but still perfectly playable. And it just like was melting into me a little bit. And Buy I, it. Stop. I mean, not to sway you one way or another, but I had an experience like that a few years ago and decided not to buy it, and that guitar literally still... I know where it is. It's in Europe, and I'm at first in line to get it when the current well, owner I would just won. love to see like a documentary Indiana Jones-style version of you traversing <laughs> to... Europe to get this guitar, good YouTube and, and you're video. you know oh. fighting things off, and Dude. You, know, you get sick, and then you have to take a train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the guitar's already been on my channel. It was um, when uh, we went to London a few years ago to play a one-off show, and we asked Gibson loaned us some guitars, and the guitar I picked was a 2014 Collector's Choice, the Dutch Burst. So it's an RO, a 1960 reissue, and in in my video that I made. I sat down and I like set my camera up and we were in the, the showroom or whatever and everyone in the band is kind of like playing their guitars or whatever and I plugged into a Black Star amp and started playing and everyone went, whoa, what is, what is that? So I played it on the show. To this day, it's the best Les Paul I've ever played. I bursts everything. That 2014 custom shop is the best Les Paul I've ever played and I asked... I said, it's not for sale. It's in our, like, artist inventory kind of thing. And then it came up for sale, and I couldn't quite, I couldn't afford it. And it ended up selling, and I regret not getting my hands you on it. You need to find it and buy it. I know where it is. But I know Red, where it you, is. You I'm put just... the energy out there all week long. So it's, the, the law of attraction has begun, can whether we, you know it we, or not. Can we call him for you? How do we work on this for we you? We can meditate on it if, for you. If, I mean, yeah, if you guys put some muscle behind it, I think I we already can make have. it happen. You know? <laughs> if, 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 you, if there was like a, a, a curse put on us where you could only play for the rest of your life like the guitar that you like the least that you've ever played? Like, would you still play guitar? Hell no. That's no. a good question. <laughs> like, would no. you make it work somehow, you know? I think I would. I, don't, I wouldn't enjoy it nearly as much as I do, obviously. Sure. I mean, it's great to find a guitar that you love, but, like, what if you can't? What if you've got a guitar that you don't love? Like, I, you know, I've got a car. I've got a Nissan Sentra. I don't love it, but I drive it. This is what I have, you know? But what's your the, jo your what's job's the Nissan not to Sentra of guitars? <laughs> but your job's not to drive the car. 
<laughs> right. Sure, sure. <laughs> I guess it just depends on, you know, what you're doing it for. So, right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. If I don't enjoy the feel and the sound, though, then I don't really. I'd rather go watch, you know, uh, reruns of Breaking Bad or something. Right. I Can I pose a question to you guys that Rhett and I have argued about a lot? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. We were going to watch the... you guys break up. Yeah. But honestly, maybe... <laughs> dude, it's ha- it's almost happened several times. So this might be it. This is not a tube screamer question. Um, we were going to try to do this live, but um, it just didn't happen tonight. But would you rather show up to a gig? If you had to get to a gig, you didn't have any equipment, and they would have the rig for you, would you rather have a really nice guitar and an inexpensive amp, or the other, a really expensive amp and a rather inexpensive guitar? Go first. Uh, I'd have, the guitar would have to be the one I would choose. Mm-hmm. I can make any amp sound like something, right? but I can't play well on a bad guitar. Mm-hmm. That, happened guitar. To, yeah. that happened to me recently where the back line got screwed up and I got, um, which is a fine little amp, but it's one of the, like, when Vox made, like, the practice amp AC-15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. And I turned it all the way up and it was, could still barely hear it. Yep. And I took, thankfully, the GE-7 I had on my board and I just scooped the mids and tried yep. to make it sound like a Fender. And, and I made it through the gig. But, uh, so... Thankfully, I had nice guitars, so so there you have it. Yeah. I wouldn't say, like, I wouldn't make it expensive versus inexpensive. I would much rather have the appropriate amp for the situation versus having the appropriate guitar for the situation. Because I feel like I could make, like, I could, I could play, you know, my surf stuff on a metal guitar as long as I've got the right amp. Right. You know, sure. <laughs> sure. The, the price doesn't really matter as long as it's appropriate for the situation. And I think that the amp being appropriate, it would be the most important part of the equation for me. Right. A band I was in was doing a, I remember we flew to San Francisco to do a battle of the bands kind of thing. Right? Nice. And I brought in a nice road case, my 5150 block logo, you know, yeah. solid amp, you know, brought that. The amp died on the first song. Uh, of the battle of the bands and this nice dude ran up to the front of the stage like because he could see I was in distress and said hey man you can use my amp it's a battle of the bands this was a guy in another band that was very nice of him you know he had a PV Renown solid state PV Renown right and I was like uh, <laughs> it was a part of me it was like I just don't want to do it and I, instead I plugged into the amp he was so nice plugged into the amp Turned it up, got a sound, carried on. We won the contest. Yeah. And I went to New York City for the first time. Nice. And, like, got to, you know, compete at the National Battle of the Bands. So it worked out. So. And you still think about that mine. PV every day. <laughs> you know, the PV Renown pulled through. It was a working man's tool, and it did the job. Zach, you look Fantastic. so smug right now. Don't you look at me so, like cause that. Because I, I always pick the guitar, because I feel like that's the connection. That's the thing that, that if, it's, if that's not there, you're not there. I mean that well, I'm going to have a pedal board, too. Right. Well, yeah, yeah so that's the Swiss Army knife. <laughs> so, yeah. But we, you're full I, amp. I'm for amp all day. And it's, I think the spirit of the question is, is more so in, the, in what Ryan's answer was, was just like having the right amp for the situation. Because you, you've shown up to Backline. Most, my experience with Backline stuff for festivals or whatever is like you get a Deluxe, an AC30, or like a JCM900 or something, or like a, some high-gain Marshall. And my, 
What Those I'm are the three. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> Those like, are the so three back exactly lineups. Exactly that. It's a, or a twin or something. So you have a yeah. Fender, an AC30, and all of them have been beat to hell, and they barely work, and speakers are clapped out and everything. But I think the amp is the most important thing for me because I feel sort of the opposite of what you guys say. I can I feel like I can make almost any guitar work as long as it's set up okay and and it plays and it stays in tune. That's amp. a lot, though. That's a lot of. That's all the stuff that's never yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean, if we're if we're <laughs> arguing this, like we can make our rules. And I'm saying, if it's you know, I again, I I pose Jack Pearson. I bring Jack Pearson to the chat, who plays. It's a, a little unfair. It is a little unfair. A stock Squire Strat into whatever backline amp is just on stage, and he sounds better than just about anybody else. I've yeah, heard. but he's he's not of this earth. Yeah, yeah so the, what I've always done in the past 10 years since I moved to Nashville and, and most of my touring was, uh, you know, kind of mid-level country acts where we didn't have our, our rigs all the time and, and it was backlining festivals and stuff. I want that pedal board to be a Swiss Army pedal board so I can, it could be a PV Rage 15 yep. or it could be a twin and I could make that thing sound the way I needed to. So lately, it's always been a twin because I know I have headroom for days, and the speakers, you get those deluxes and stuff that have little Jensen's in them, and you gotta play a big rock country thing, and it goes and yep. it just dies on you. That's interesting. So you have a nice, big, clean thing, and I can kinda paint it however I want, so. That's it's a better amp. pedal amp, the, the twin, than, than the, the, the deluxe. You just smash the front end too hard. I mean, you get it past three, and it's, it's dead, and you're on an arena-sized stage, and you're like, oh, man, this is Interesting. over. Yeah. Have you, a twin is almost a PA. If we're yeah, really I was going to say, about have yeah. you ever been able to get your twin past two on the on the Absolutely. Volume? Normal channel, four or five. Oh, I mean, my God. You're oh, peeling yeah. paint at that well, point. Well, no, that's why, because then you're I have... You're talking outdoors? Like, well, I have, oh, yeah. yeah. I have, well, I have the amp, Stadium, amp working for me. outdoor. Like, you got to have the yeah. space. Yeah. On a yeah. stage like this, a twin on four or five No, I couldn't do that. But, but you have that amp, the power amp starts working for you, and yeah. they hit it less with the drive, and it doesn't mush up as much. And, it's yeah. interesting, because even our, our friend Nick Bocott sitting over here, and he had his Marshall Wall outside with the, the seven stacks. But when you're outside, I mean, it, there's still, you know, there was a sort of a roof on the venue, but you're right. still outside, and the sound still dissipates in a different way than when you're in a... Sure. Right? In, oh, yeah. In, in a closed... Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. it, you know, the, the frequencies tail off differently, and the thing that was... Yeah. that Nick really stressed is as soon as you walk three inches to, or, like, a, maybe a foot or two from one side or the other, sound's gone if you're yeah. not on ears, right. you know, which right. is why ears are so important in those situations, you know, but... Um, yeah, it's uh, or close back can really help too, and that's that's what's great about the Marshall Wall. Yep. And also, I had to make sure my underwear was. <laughs> did we all play the Did we all play the Marshall Wall? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I did. I purposely, I had to stay away because <laughs> I, I don't know. It's my my ears have had enough Marshalls. I actually hear in my ears. I hear a Marshall hissing 100 percent of the time. <laughs> it's the truth. And yet, you just bought four vintage Marshall cabinets, and I've seen a picture of them. You have yeah, them in you your did. garage. It's a glorious microphone. But they're so in there's... another room, and they come through <laughs> a, a tiny wire, and I can I have a knob. You know, they're, they're, yeah, they're studio. In a bunker. They're in a studio. So. Yeah. Yeah, the Marshall Wall was one of the more insane things I've I've experienced. It's it wasn't, super cool. It wasn't yeah. even a sound thing. It was like every part of your body is moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thing. yeah. Like it's a full body experience. I don't even know what it sounded like. I just felt it, you know. See, I was worried because my impression was, oh yeah, this sounds really good. Like this is about the right volume for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, the I'm volume. Do this at home. I thought, oh no, I'm going deaf. That must mean I'm deaf. After it sounds really good to after me. After Zach and I played be. it, we were walking back across the parking lot, and we were 300 yards away from the stage and still having to talk over <laughs> yeah. the amp because Robert Baker was playing it after us. Yes, he oh. was. And so Robert was over there just shredding, and we were having to talk over the amp walking across the parking lot to get back over here. It was insane. Yeah, it's, it is, it's like a PA. It is cool. It's like when you're walking up to the stage, you're like, that, that's basically like a Marshall PA. It's right. just like a... <laughs> How many amps was it? Seven, seven, seven amps. Seven amps. Oh, seven. 21 cabinets. Oof. 21 yeah. cabinets. It's my, right. new, it's my new band, 21 the, cabinets. The, <laughs> the top row of the cabinets weren't functional, but the bottom two rows were functional, and it was plenty. Yeah, so... It was more than enough. What is that, like 17 cabs times four or something like that? I think like that? How someone many over there did the math. They're not paying attention. They're eating these food. Steve. Steve. <laughs> oh, he's really not Steve, paying attention. Steve, oh, how many speakers was it with a Marshall wall? He's doing the math. 72. 72. 72 12. 72 by 12, basically. No, what? it was 72 speakers total. Right. Let's 72 just say it was speakers. 146. So like 70, yeah, so, yeah. God. <laughs> It, it, yeah, yeah, you couldn't escape it, and it almost it was almost painful to stand in front of it with with earplugs in. Yeah, it was too loud. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, okay. It made me wish I had kidney stones so I could shake them loose. I was like, I'm gonna probably have them later, and I won't be here. Right, right. Well, you know the uh, you know the drill. How to shake them loose when you get there? Oh, we've swapped out we're, Tim we're, for Phil. Host. Tim Pierce has left the building. Tim Pierce has left the building. I don't, I don't know what it's called, Phil. Phil is asking me a sports question. I have no idea, Phil. He just came off, he came off the bench. That's all. It's a pinch switch hitter, hit. Right? A switch pinch? hitter. A no, pinch hitter? That's, that's from both sides. I have no sound. Oh, wait. Oh, I do. It's so a pinch hitter. Will be a right. pinch hitter. Yeah, exactly. You pinch and then you hit. Yeah. That's like an assault. Boy, crime. we are musicians. Aren't we? we don't know anything about sports. Yeah, I should have used the music <laughs> reference. I apologize. He's an understudy. <laughs> uh, uh, the, one of the sweet guys was asking, like, do you think we should do like a, a jam on the last night? Or you think we should take everyone to the to the baseball field? And I was like, I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't jam and I don't play baseball. <laughs> don't ask me. Yeah. There's really good, um, like, a cooking show on over here. I'm starting to get distracted <laughs> by all the food on the TV. Oh, this guy's Gary. So it's, so it's so it's Guy, Guy Fury. Yeah, yeah and, and I met him at a gig in Petaluma. Oh. And he came, we were playing this, this country festival. He walks up the side of the stage, and that hair is all you can see. Yeah. It was, and we go backstage, and he's, by the way, nicest guy ever. Really, really cool. I've heard that. Larger than life. Like, just a big personality, right? We always have, like, a bottle of Crown and a bottle of vodka on the rider. And he grabs the bottle of Crown, rips it brand new, rips, it, rips the lid off. Chugs it, passes it around. Somebody grabs the, the cap from it, and they're like, they pull it from him. And he goes, F that cap. And he throws the cap across, across the dressing room, and he's like, We're killing this thing tonight. It was like, <laughs> it was awesome. He was a really, really cool guy. And whenever I think about him, that's all I can think about is him throwing that bottle cap <laughs> in the dressing room. I got to meet, I, I saw him film at a restaurant, the, the man versus food guy, I forget his name. And he, uh, he would go around and eat like the biggest burritos at things. Or oh, whatever. right. Yeah. When, when the camera's off, he deflates. He was not healthy on that show. It was a bad situation. Yeah, obviously. When you look at the stuff he ate, I mean, it's he, not sustainable. When the camera goes off, he's like, <sighs> and he just like turns gray. 
So he was a nice guy, though. I'm, I'm not trying to disparage him. He was a nice guy, and I'm glad I met him. It sounds like you were concerned. That's I was a little concerned. I actually was. Oh. Yeah, it's like you need. I realize your your shooting schedule is probably pretty intense. I think you need to have a week between meals. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach, did we get any good questions from the uh, the patrons? Oh, uh, let's see. The audience. I was looking like. I mean, we, yeah, we, we'll, we'll open up to audience questions if there's any and patrons. We did get some good questions. Uh, so, uh, someone asked, "Does Tim Pierce smell like a?" Barber shop. Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think so. No. No. What no. would you say he does smell like? <laughs> like Delicious. good notes. Yeah, guitar polish. <laughs> All the good notes. Yeah. <laughs> like a freshly, yeah. like a three thirty five street. Like a yeah. like a broken in tube amp. You know? Like a yeah, like a three thirty five into a deluxe reverb. <laughs> like a Gibson guitar case. He's like sweet. Like a three thirty five. Like a Martin Soundhole smell. Yeah. Yes. Tim Pierce smells like a bouquet of. Like mahogany and vanilla. Mahogany and vanilla. I agree. If you can't tell, we've all had a little bit of a We're going to kill him. I've never seen Tim's face turn as red as it is right now. (laughs) I had a Tito's and soda. I'm just going to keep going right now. Tim Pierce smells like a Vox AC15 cranked up to six with the EF86 just blooming into... Yeah, Beautiful right. harmonic that complexity. The EF86 just starts to open up, you know. It's magic. Right in the pocket. Yeah, with yeah. The, the, it's just a nicely broken in silver. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll stop. Silver <laughs> like, oh, it's a bulldog, you know. <laughs> we got a really Don't good stop. One it was getting good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> F- finally entertaining it's all these people that came here right. to watch something they've I never know. heard before. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, what should you know musically before trying to get in a band? What should you know musically before trying to get in a band? Yeah. Oh. Listen to the drummer. Listen to everybody. Listen. Yes. That's a good question because yeah. I feel like sometimes people think there's this threshold of ability or knowledge that you have to have to, to, be, to play with other people. That's true. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that exists. I think you need to know more like social, emotional things. Like you need to know how to forgive people. You know, like, I think those sorts of things are important for a band. You're going to figure out the rest later, and mostly it's just going to be, like, learning what a bassist actually does in paying attention to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's nice. Empathy. Empathy. Being a human being, listening to your teammates and recognizing their teammates and, you know, and knowing where your boundaries are and and things like that and where you want your creative boundaries to be and learning how to communicate them. People stuff. You know, stuff musicians don't know. Well, that's, and that's one of the things you hear around Nashville so much yeah. is like, he's a great hang. He's going to be a good part of this team. Yeah. The hang will so. get you the gig nine out of ten times right. for sure. And pulling your weight, too. I mean, that's a big... It's like a, it's a, it's a marriage with several people, you know. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It is, it is a weird, like, romantic relationship. What kind of bands have you been in? <laughs> the sexy kind. <laughs> Yeah. No, like you, like there's something very intimate about locking in with a groove with a bunch of other people, and the thing that you're experiencing while you're doing that. Like when you when you find a, that connection with a group of other people, it, it, it becomes a serious thing, and that's why band breakups are like divorces and they get ugly. You know. Well, and that's why when bands do break up, some of those members continue on in other things because they they're so connected to that person that made them feel that. that and, and we can all think of, you know, major musicians that definitely have some sort of trauma after, <laughs> you know, whatever project they were part of. 
So it's I, interesting. It's like it's like honestly, like the the chemistry is a big like when we're talking about a band because we're not talking about a group getting together for just like to record right. a song or whatever, but a band. You know, I I got to be friends with the girls in the Donnas, this great all girl band, That's right? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, you know, fourteen or thirteen when they got together. They were like junior high school, and then they went on to sell like, you know, like do pre- pretty like, yeah. you know, they had gold records and stuff, and and you know, we're still a band when they were like twenty eight, twenty nine years old, mm-hmm. all together touring. I don't. I, I'm like, you guys are so lucky. Like, who has that experience of making a band when you're 13, 14 and going on to play, like, tour the kind of tour all over the world, go to Australia right. and go and be a Like, with it actually friends. becomes something, like, when you're 13. Like, you do something well, when you're 13 and it turns out, like, that's amazing. Years, but by the time they were like 18, they were doing pretty good. And yeah. by the time they're like 25, they're still selling records. Like, dude, and that's Crazy. like, that's special. I always like, think of them as being like a really tight version of a punk band. Like, just, they always yeah. sounded like on it. They're, I love that band. Like, they were just so cool. I remember I was playing in Boston once with, uh, I was on the road with Adam Cohen, and we were playing in a club, TT the Bears, I think it was. We were like in the upstairs room, and then downstairs, the Donnas were playing in the main kind of headline room. That's where I became a fan. I went down there, and I was like, oh my, there was like a thousand people packed in this little room, and I bought a shirt. I was like, this band is amazing. <laughs> they're like the Ramones, but they're the Donnas. This is so cool. And yeah, they were just like this, they're like a, you know, it's like you're like a superhero team, like, like yeah. the force against the world, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. These teenage girls that went on to that's the coolest thing ever. I don't even, I don't know what that's about because I was never in a band like that, like with that. Yeah, but you you uh, you and Corey both have done the hired gun thing and touring thing for a really long time. So for this, the person asking this question, what are some practical things that you think, you know, with the qualification of there being no real threshold of knowledge or ability to play with other people, but if you are trying to get a gig, you are trying to play in a band. What are some practical, like, playing and technical skill set things you think are important? Knowing the notes on the fingerboard helps. I mean, know. yeah, I mean, it's, and of course, it's going to be style specific. For hired gun thing, I mean, you should have some ducks in a row. I mean, you know, you put out a Nashville number system course, and once I learned that, it, it changed my life. It made me a much more efficient side person because there wasn't any gig I couldn't do and chart, chart the song in my car the night before, you know, the, an hour beforehand. And you start to rely on instincts, and those instincts come from a lot of music listening. So someone said to me once, they said, you know, if you go into a lawyer's office, it's loaded with books. You know, it's because there's a lot to know. And if you've listened to a lot of music, pretty much any song someone gives me, I can give you three examples of what it sounds like to me of music that's been out for 30 years or 40 years. Right. And you draw from that and then you look at the numbers and you know where to go. And the numbers, of course, for those that don't know, are the chords and the scale and the key. And most stuff is going to be pretty down the middle unless it's really, really tricky, you know. Uh, you unless know, like, you're playing on something that Lisa Belladonna wrote like this, yeah, this afternoon, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But but even still, like you navigated it and did e drones to, to make it, you know, you. I don't. I didn't hear the song, but you, you you give me the impression that like yeah, I did what I needed to do to make it through, and if I have another chance, I might paint the picture a little bit differently because I have another shot at it now, and and that happens on the road with side person as a side person too, because most artists that I work with, they get it's going to be a little rocky show, one, two, three, four, and then you start to, everybody finds their spot. You know? See, this is fascinating, because this is like a Nashville approach, which is different than, than LA. LA approach. And it's like, yeah. I found that just so like, yeah. you know, the number, like the number system, the whole, it's like a complete, because I'll give a completely different answer, which is, and, and both are right. 
yeah. you know, depending on where you are, right. which is preparation. For me, it's like preparing, learning the songs, like going in, basically going in and being a problem solved, I always say. You got the songs learned, you got the right sounds, you got all the parts. So that Because the, the artist, I always look at it like the artist is stressed. They just made a record, they're going out on tour or whatever, and they got to find a band or maybe just one player, but they're, they're replacing somebody, whatever it is. And you got to go in there and be a problem solved. Because it's a problem. They're like, oh, we're going to find the right person. Oh, my God, I've got, another, or I've got a new record coming out. Is it going to do well? Can I find people to jive with on the road? So you go in, you be nice, you shake their hand, it's be co- super cool, and you go in and you play the stuff, and you got the right sounds, you learned all the stuff. You know, this is a little bit more like pop gig and rock gig sure. mentality. Where you, like, I love the part where you said, you know, they know the first gig or the second gig is going to be, because what I'm used to is actually going and actually rehearsing for three weeks before and the I first gig. I wish we could do that. You know, I know, and that's not natural yeah. reality. Right. And, and in L.A., it actually, usually they go in, they rehearse it up, and there's, there's, there's the music rehearsal, then there's like the music rehearsal of the artist, which might be in a different studio, and then you go do production, production rehearsals rehearsal. yeah. for, with lights and everything, and, and it's, so it's a totally different vibe. Yeah. But anyway, you want to go in the first day and be the Problem solved where they could, where you, I always try to make a feel like we could walk on stage right now and play the show and it would actually be a pretty good show. Like, it'd be okay after they hear yeah. a few songs of you playing. You know? I long for that, but it's not always a reality. Now, it's a reality if you're Chesney yeah. or Tim McGraw or Keith Urban or that kind of thing, but right. most of the artists that I've played with, I mean, the last guy I played with, David Lee Murphy, he's got like 20 number one songs. They said, the only thing he'll ever tell you is to turn up. And I was like, are you serious? A guitar player? Right. And it's the loudest gig I've ever played. It's really fun. It's, he looks at you, play a solo. And, it's t- and you've heard all the songs because he's written Chesney, Luke Bryan, Blake Shelton, Jason Aldean. He's written all those songs for those guys. And you know them already. And it is pretty smooth sailing. But I long for that, like, man, I'd love to just practice my ego riser, my ego ramp yeah, run, yeah. And, and make sure that I hit the right button to go to there, you know. Well, this is why I never moved to Nashville. I wrote a song called To Live and Die in Nashville. Like, and I put it out as a Kemper demo. <laughs> but it's like all Kemper sounds that Michael Britt came up with. And I thought, I'm going right. to make this kind of Nashville-themed, my version of that. Yeah. And to live and die in Nashville, because I thought, if I go to Nashville, I'm like, I'm, I'm like scared shitless of Nashville, honestly, because of that, what, the world that you live in, you know, and I'm so, I have so much admiration for that skill, the, the number system, like you say, the night before, that stuff blows my mind that you guys do that. And it's, it's just, like, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. you play, I mean, and you catch the signature licks, and you catch the intros, and, um, you know, at this point in my career, like, they'll give you... If, if you only gave me a couple days to learn the songs, you're getting my solos. Yeah. The yeah bu- if the budget cool. goes up, I'll learn the record solos. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's, it's cool. a pricing tier. It is. Right? Yeah. Tier one, it's you get t- me well, to show up and I'll play. The guitar <laughs> tier two, I'll learn your parts. Tier three, <laughs> right. I'll learn your solos, and we'll go from there, you know? <laughs> and I just lost about 30 gigs by doing that on this podcast right now. What am I saying? I'm on a podcast. <laughs> no, trust me, no, no artists or, or employers listen to this podcast. No, no, it's, no. All, it's all just guitar people. So We're safe. never coming back This again. is a safe space here. I will say just before we move on to another other topic. I, I do like to be as prepared as possible, and I've been. I talked to um, my friend Sean Tubbs about this too. Yeah. Who is like? I think he's probably. I think he's the Pete Thorne version of Nashville because he's so awesome and knows tones like Pete does in history. But Sean is ultra prepared, but could move on a dime. And yep. he told me he always knows everybody else's parts too, plus his. That's interesting. <laughs> he he actually came up in L.A. I mean, I remember Sean right, working right. at L.A. Boogie when I first moved to, to L.A. He was working at, at the, the Boogie store on Sunset Boulevard, 
uh, along with Robert DeLeo, who went on to be in STP. S- STP. Yeah. And, He's on uh, the Unplugged show playing acoustic with, with those exactly, guys. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they were buddies. But I remember both those guys working in there. Like I used to go in there and you know, I'd buy cables from Robert. You know? Wow. It was like one day I was like, where's Robert? He's not in here anymore. And I flipped through a magazine that I found. It was like, oh, STP. So who is the? Oh, there's Robert. Oh, he's yeah. in a big rock band now. <laughs> you know, and it was really cool. Yeah, but yeah, Sean awesome. came up through, and then you know was in LA for. I'm not sure when he moved to Nashville, but he's brilliant guitar yeah, He's player. amazing. Yeah, Phil, how's your uh, gear fest been so far? It's been fantastic. On the, on, I know. He's like <laughs> Toby's laughing. It's so much excitement. I've been it's here good. since Sunday, and uh, it's been 10, 12 hour days each day. But uh, but on the I I'm different than you guys. I play bass, so I have a guitar channel. But I'm a bass player, right. and I only play live bass. And I play every time I play with somebody, it's because they come into town and they need a bass player. Right. So my advice is always be easy to work with, learn all the parts and possibly a couple alternatives. I always listen to everybody's live performances yeah, to see if they're gonna pull something crazy. Good advice. And always really buy the guitar player a drink. Well, the bass player has a completely different <laughs> That's role. That's a good rule. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bass player has a completely different, like, guitar players, we can kind of skate by in a gig. You know, we can sort of just rely and lean back and you fake it till you make it. If you're on bass, dude, you've got to know the changes. You've got to know Everybody the hears your mistake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's usually a nightmare because the way, the way it works for me is... Uh, the guitar player comes... It's, it's the modern economy that's been existing for the last decade. Guitar player comes to town, they're by themselves. So the drummer and the bass player are local. Right. And usually, if we're lucky, if I'm lucky, I've met or played with a drummer a few times because he grabbed the drummer that I know or vice versa. Oh, cool. But yeah. most of the time, it's like, hey, drummer, how are you? Yeah, yeah. You're meeting like before the show. And uh, depending on the budget act, you're lucky if you get a quick sound check you know a couple songs sound check usually you get just the two songs just to make sure run through it in the dressing room yeah yeah and then and every in my experience every time it's like oh just a couple changes real quick <laughs> and then yeah. uh so it's been a interesting lo- while because as you see, watch the the world of playing live economically change the way they have to do it um and i'm glad because obviously they could just play the backing tracks i mean that's the but yeah I mean, it's actually a, a blessing when they get an actual bass and drum player versus the backing track. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a good point. That is the way. Like, you go see a lot of shows these days, and it's like it might be a guitar player and a drummer and a singer, and they got the bass on tracks or yeah. something. Or vice versa. Maybe the, the bass is live and the guitar is on tracks. It's like kind of a bummer, you know? Yeah. Like, I have a, a, a good friend who moved to Nashville not long ago from Chicago. Killer. You know, came up in the gospel scene but can play every style, and he's, just, he's starting to really get busy. And uh, I saw him recently playing with a guitar player and tracks. Mm. And that was it. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, they've cut the budget on this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Like two weeks ago, I did a, a, a kind of a showcase thing. And it was for a music library uh, kind of convention. It was in Ventura. And I went there and played with a bass player friend of mine and a, a singer and a keyboard player. And so we were no tracks, right? We were all live, and it was a total throw and go. We're literally plugging into DIs and just starting to play. It was, it was kind of crazy, no sound check, no nothing. And a lot of the folks that showed up there would literally plug their phone into the PA and then sing along to oh, a track, wow. right? Yeah. And, but there was a few that, that were live, and it was unbelievable to watch the energy in the room 
with the live musicians just kind of it, energy people like I mean the applause and the, like the you know the the woman that I was playing with was phenomenal she was such a great singer and it, and I saw a couple other acts there it was all good stuff because they were these were all people that were with this uh, TV and film uh, music library right. kind of company so they were you know you see great music these days in TV and film. Oh, yeah. they were, it was really high-level stuff, but it was re- across the board, even the folks that were singing the tracks. But the energy in the room that changed when people sang and played live was like co- night and day. I mean, it was palpable. It was That's like, cool. And it was like, and I remember, um, you know, pe- people saying, oh, live music won tonight, you know? And it was like, yeah, man, it's a th- it was like, it was really obvious. You know? I think it always will, man. It's like you, there's a, there's a huge human connection to it's one thing to listen to music, but then to watch people in like a, a, a creative space or on a stage or something actually make music together, it's that you can't replace that, yeah. you know? And you can augment it with tracks and, and a show and all these other things, but at its core, I think people will always want, no matter the genre or the style, people will always want to see other people on stage making art and performing. I find that anytime I walk into a situation like, oh, there's someone playing live music, no matter what it is, whether it's the best band in the world or someone on a street corner. Like, like there's a guy who plays accordion in front of my local grocery store, and I always just want to stand there and watch him. Yeah. There's something about it. It's like watching someone do a, a magic trick. Like, you want to, like, it just pulls you in immediately. It's, it is a very different experience. Like, no matter the skill level of it, no matter if it's the genre that you're interested in or whatever, there's something about live music that is... It's soul. A, yeah, it, yeah, it's this weird human instinct, like, I have to zero in on this. What is going to happen? Like, yeah. what is this? I, I use this question. You ever laughed as hard as you do at a live comedian versus a ro- recorded comedian? <laughs> no. Wow, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. no, yeah. totally. Never. That's and, a good point. Even when it's amazing, yep. you never laugh as hard as when you're in front of the real person. That's true. Yeah, I watch comedians that I love on a special or something. Like I'm on my couch. I'm like, I'm not laughing, but I think it's funny. Right. But I know that if I was in the room, yeah. I'd be losing it. Yeah. I think to the there's a point where it hurts. Like your yeah, size right. Is well, you're absolutely right. There's two sides yeah. to it. One is there's there's always the element of risk with live performance. So for you guys, like in the in the studio today, I was sitting in the control room. You guys were recording a song that you had just. I mean, we're in the process of learning while you're recording it. Like, let's be honest, you were figuring it out while you were in the red. And there's a lot of risk there, right? There's there's a lot of things that could go wrong musically. But with that risk comes this energy of, of people watching. me, And then when you pull it off, and not just pull it off, but you do something that's really musical and really uh, entertaining, there's this huge release at the end of it. You know, like at the end of that second take, everyone in the control room was like, oh my God, that was incredible that that just sort of spontaneously happened. There's that side of it, but then there's the, so it's like the performance side, but then there's the, the audience side, which is this, congregation thing that happens like what you were saying with there's a lot of parallels between music and comedy and when other people around you are laughing and you're experiencing that all together in the same space it's the same thing as like everyone at a band that they love watching the headliner play and yeah. their favorite song comes on and just the, the energy goes up you can't it's replace a cyclical that. energy in the room with the audience and the band that's the best kind of gigs the, right the communal yeah. when you feel the, is yeah. like it's yeah. almost like a religious thing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it very spiritual yeah. yeah it's cool yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what we all do it for. Well, we're all we're all agreeing at that moment, which doesn't happen yeah. often. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. That is yeah. very good. 
Got another question? Yeah. Um, there, there's, a, there's a couple of good ones. I like this one. Um, knowing what you know now, what would you have spent more time on in the beginning? And I think this could apply to both like our musicianship, but maybe like the careers we have now, uh, you know, because I know for me as, as a pedal builder, I would have, you know, learned more and, and not got so stuck in my way saying, yeah, you know, it, it can't, it can't have top mount jacks. It can't be surface mount. It can't be this or that. And that had, had done nothing but held me back. And, uh, and, and it slowed down my progression as, as a builder and, and as a business. So like for you guys, what advice would you give to someone if they wanted to do something similar to what you do? Um, looking back where, you know, what would you have done differently? Maybe. Well, I was having uh, lunch with, uh, many of our good friend, R.J. Ronquillo, yeah. and, uh, and we both agreed that now's the best time than, it's a, than ever to be an individual. And because as an individual, you can be your own, you know, what's, you know, the buzzword, your own brand, but I always just wanted to be in someone's band. I wanted to be Mike Campbell, you know, I wanted to be Buddy Miller playing with Emmylou Harris, you know, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you name it, like that's what I, because to me it, so, it felt easier. I'm like, all I gotta do is show up and play and get paid, okay. But then I, as that begin to be, began to fade or fizzle out, for a number of reasons, I said, there was always an element in me, I'm like, ah, I can front a band, I can do this camera work stuff, um, maybe I should start listening to the people that are telling me to do it. And then it took like a lot of people that are in this room to say like, you can, you can do this and have a new career that like actually uh, elevates the other career of playing music. And I didn't think that that was possible. I probably told myself it wasn't possible. Um, and, th and realizing now that it is and betting on yourself is always a good bet, you know, but you gotta get to a place where you believe it. Very true. Yeah. Bill? You know, if I could have gone, the Bill and Ted moment, right? Ted, in the future. <laughs> if I could go back in time, I, I still, I'm still totally blown away with myself not knowing the fact that when I was watching people, musicians making music on YouTube, uh, gear channels, doesn't matter, all the things I enjoyed, it never occurred to me they were masters of video, lighting, like things that I just thought, oh, I, I, I know as much as that guy, or I can do that, and then literally the failure of the first comments of, man, I can't, your lighting sucks. You know, get a new camera. Right. Like, you know, and, and I would definitely, what I would redo again is I would have took the time to recognize, not just learn that stuff, to recognize that it was part of the whole picture. I just saw this person's talking about gear or this guy's making music. It never occurred to me that they were also directors, editors, filmographers, lighting specialists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's crazy. So I would tell anybody, don't look at what anything, anyone's doing in the camera. Pay attention to that camera work, that lighting work, that audio work. Um, for me, not being a recording guy, you guys... We're getting applause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have an all-YouTuber yeah. audience yeah. right now. <laughs> this is very on-brand. Yeah. Me, even in, you know, me never, I didn't even recognize that recording was a skill that I needed for this. I thought, oh, I'll just explain guitars and they'll understand and never occurring to me that part of that story is recording it. So I would definitely have gone back in time and be like, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to learn all that stuff. And I wish I learned it first. Yeah. If, if I could go back in time 
I would probably start doing this type of work before there was YouTube. I would just be recording pedal demos and building up the library. I'd be <laughs> filming onto VHS and like someday I'm going to publish these somewhere. <laughs> if I knew that I would get to make a living like dicking around with delay pedals and stuff, I would have started early. <laughs> VHS pedal demos might be the next big thing, man. There you go. Vinyl's man. made such a comeback. Yeah. Cassette tapes are making a, a comeback. Just, let's all, you should do VHS. He, like you send out the VHSs. Like yeah, you yeah. have to subscribe a to A mailing them. list. Yeah, yeah. It's like Blockbuster, but it's all demos. Yeah, it's super cost effective. terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, the n number one thing. This is going to sound like melancholy, a bit of a bummer, but I don't mean it to. It's just I think it's the most solid advice I can give. And it actually doesn't have anything to do with music. I moved when I was 19 from Canada to Los Angeles. I went to Musicians Institute, and then I never came back. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I would go visit once a year, you know, like we all do at Christmas time and stuff. So my folks still lived up there, my sister living up there. My dad passed away in 2006, and my mom in 2012. And if you had told me when I was 19, like, you're going to see your parents like a finite amount of times, yeah. and it's going to be 15 more times in your life. Right, I would have. That would have shook me. Wow. You know, yeah. and you know, or whatever. How many? You know, it's just not something you think about when you're 19 because it's like you're invincible and the right. sky's the limit. There's always more time when you're young. Yeah, you know? exactly. And so for me, it's like all I'll recommend to folks is if you do go, because a lot of us move to, you know, you go to Berkeley or you go to Nashville, or you go to wherever from wherever you're from. Go home as much as you can, you know, or have sure. them come out visit. Like, spend as much time as you can with your family because you want to go live your crazy dream and be a musician and stuff. But it's important to go back and connect and and all that kind of stuff. And I wish I would have done it more, you know. Wish I could have had more of that time. So that's yeah. all. You know? But at at 19 though, and for whether it's moving to play music or starting a channel or whatever, I, the thing I noticed as I continue to analyze, when analyze in the best way, observe what everybody here does is that it takes a tremendous, is as much bravery as when you were 14 to get on stage in your high school band as it does to sit in front of this thing for the first time. And yeah. the thing is, is you're gonna keep telling yourself that I'm not brave enough to do this. And, you, and once you get over a couple of those hurdles, you will be. And then that, that one video hits, or that one great, you know, all of a sudden Tim Pierce leaves a comment on your channel and people think it's amazing and you think it's amazing. Tim, you know, can it, you leave a comment on my channel? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. He for said saying he that. just said that one of the most successful videos he did was with Phil. Was with I, Phil. I'm repeating it because he, Tim doesn't have a mic. Well, now it? I have to pay what for his Tom Murphy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, round of applause, everybody, for your own bravery. How about yes. that? Yeah. Yes. Right? It's a big deal, man. You know, like, anytime that like we all get comments from people who make it sound like what we do is easy, and I always just want to be like, set up a camera, any camera, stare and do that dead black hole and, <laughs> and talk about anything for 10 minutes without screwing it up. Don't even factor in playing guitar. Just talk for 10 minutes staring into that void and then, <laughs> then come back and tell me that like this isn't a job. You know? <laughs> can, can I ask you guys a question? And I don't, I'm just curious. Do you guys ever create and not publish? Like yes. I create, yes. like uh, that's to me one of the things I learned was I create in front of the camera and then just because I made it doesn't mean it publish it. It's like it's hours on the clock learning. Yeah, I did it last week right before I flew up here. Started a whole video, got halfway through the video. was like, no, not, not feeling it. What it's was it right. about? If you don't mind. Uh, 
open G tuning. Okay. Uh, and Exotic. Oh, yeah. Because I had just seen the Black Crows like a day before, and I was I was pretty hyped on on all that. And uh, yeah, I just it wasn't. I was stressed and trying to pack and get ready for this thing, and I was trying to get this video done. I just wasn't in the right headspace, and I figured, you know what? It's better to not do something that's rushed and is not fully totally. thought out and just let a video not be posted than to like try and force something that's not gonna be as good as it could be or should be, in my opinion. Right. So I just stopped. You know yeah. what I like, I've learned from you, like hanging with you the last few days, is that it really is like art to you and if you're not feeling it, you're not gonna like, you know, it's, it's like you won't phone it in, you know? Rhett's videos are, are art, aren't they? It's just fine. <laughs> no, it's art. It, I, no, I mean, no, it, it, I, I everything is I, art. Everything I agree. Is art. It is art. I was making a joke, but it well, really thank is. You. Thank you. No, but, I really, like, it's like, you're, they're like, there's no different than writing a song or something. You're like, eh, this isn't making it. I need to revisit this next one. Well, I actually learned that from, like, speaking of a song, like, I learned that from the artists and stuff that I've worked with and played for. Mm. Like, watching them or being involved in co-writes and things like that, and you spend a day working on something... Yeah. And you just both look at each other and go, it's not there. Like, yeah. yeah, if it's not like snapping yeah. your girdle, yeah. you don't want to keep doing it. Yeah. You know? yeah. That'll blow your skirt up, man. That's right. I was going to say, hey, man. I hey, man. I don't put lead in your pencil. That's right. It's yeah. good producer skills, man. It's good producer skills. Like, I used to work for Linda Perry a lot. And sometimes yeah. we go in and she had a little like house band kind of thing. We go in and play. We do takes, you know, and you get a take. You're like, yeah, that's good. And she'd be, okay, that's good. And you go home. She'd call you in the morning. You got to come back and do it again. We don't. We didn't get it last yeah, night. Yeah, it could be it. better. Are you serious? Like I thought it was there, and she was always right. Mm -hmm. It's like she just had this overall like it couldn't be better. Like she had the she had a you know it can be better. She knew. Yeah. Know? And I was like, I learned a lot from that. I think <laughs> yeah. you you have to be that way though if you're gonna do something whether it's YouTube or a, a career as a musician or or a pedal builder or whatever. If you're gonna be successful at it in some way, you have to learn that skill of being self critical not in a, a self-deprecating way but in right. like a constructive way of saying this isn't ready and, and 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 sometimes trusting other people that maybe it is yeah i mean they, like i've second guessed so many things that i thought oh this is, is so horrible and you let a few other people see it and say no it's it's actually kind of okay and you can you can tweak and, and uh grow from actually, you know, getting out of your own head, own head a lot. Uh, and I think that applies to, I mean, everything that all these guys do. I, so. I'm, I've noticed someone who, like, has fun ways of dealing with trolls in the comment section and stuff like that. But, like, honestly, like, I listen. Like, when someone has a legitimate criticism, they're like, hey, man, this is, like, you ought to try this with your audio. You should try this with, like, the way you do videos. I actually, like, if it, if it doesn't feel just like someone, like, being a dick or whatever, I'm like, you know what? Let's I, I'm gonna think about that for a couple of days. And I've actually made a lot of adjustments to what I do based on criticism from, uh, you know, the, the commenters and things like that, and other people, because it, it, there are things to be observed and that can be fixed. And sometimes it's just subjective, and I'll, I'll be like, oh, you know what? You don't understand what I'm doing. And sometimes it's like, you know what? They have a point. Yeah. You know. What's there's, that? There's often a little bit of truth in a yeah, negative yeah, yeah. comment. Often. Oh yeah. Tim yeah. Pierce has entered the chat, by the way. Yes. yes. I, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, you guys didn't know this, but this is a telethon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Call in 800-555-432. So tomorrow morning, we'll still be here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we will? We're not going to let you watch Sesame Street until we get enough money. 
Yeah. I think maybe because we're we're almost out of time. Okay. Uh, maybe like something. We should give some advice to people that may may think like, how do I take this sort of step? Like, I mean, we, that's what we've been talking about. But um, I mean, what would you guys say to someone that maybe wants to get into this? Uh, how do you how do you think people should start? Should it start here? Because this is the easiest way to do all of this. Well, are we, when you say get into this. Well, well I maybe get into anything, but like, I think a lot of people see. You mean you, like YouTube? I mean, what you as guys a guitarist, do? a guitar YouTube thing? Yeah, or, or any sort of YouTube. I mean, like, where? Just play Minecraft and film it. I, yeah, it's very <laughs> no, successful. That's one yeah, way. Yeah, honestly, yeah. way way uh, more lucrative than guitar YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Tim, you've been doing this the longest. Okay, so this here. is my second career, and I'm really interested in everything you guys are doing. And it's legitimate. It's honest. And now I have this other thing that I can do, and I bring it in. And it's actually, if you're going to be a musician and you take advice, you've got to realize that that advice might be obsolete. I mean, anytime you talk about the music industry, it's, a year later, it's obsolete. So it's, it's changing so fast that... You kind of, but the one thing I can tell you is you have to do it all yourself at this point. Yeah. And so if you want to start filming with your phone, if you're a musician, I mean, your business card is Instagram, right? Yeah. If you yeah. want gigs. And if you've got to actually, it's, you have to be visual if you want to exist. You don't exist unless you're visual. Mm -hmm. So that's the place to start. And it's kind of like what you said. For me to talk for 10 minutes, it's not my greatest asset. But I get it done. Some days I get it in the first take. Sometimes I get it in many takes and I often make a bad video before I make a good one yeah. I finish oh, yeah. a bad video and I go no I was gonna I was gonna say sometimes I'll get 20 minutes into a video and I'm like this sucks <laughs> but <laughs> happened I to me know, last week <laughs> I know that if I <laughs> I know that if I finish it and I do like the you know sometimes it takes me two and a half hours to film and I you know the editing and stuff like that I know if I finish it and get to the end and go through everything that I wanted to do once I've done it once, even if it sucked, then the next time, when I start from the beginning, it's like, it'll go easy. Yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. The, the best rehearsal. The it best. takes huh? a couple, yeah. Yeah. don't stop just yeah. because you're, you hit a point where it sucks. Get to the end. A songwriter, the end. a songwriter friend of mine one time told me, sometimes you need to write the bad song to get it out. And the easiest thing to do with all this is to give up. And, and like, well, that's the thing. You, yeah, you, hey, you just can't. I'm gonna try to be easier. <laughs> Never. It'd be easier if you just quit. Well, yeah, but I mean, I mean that like seriously. Like it, all the times, every time I, I wanted to start, it got hard, and then I wanted to stop. And like getting through that, I think that's one of the biggest hurdles for anything you want to do, obviously. But I think that's something that people have to be mentally prepared for. Is you're gonna hit it, and you're gonna say, "This is too hard for me to do. Do yep. I really want to do it?" Yep. And it, you know, like almost going back, the call back to like the guitar thing. I think my biggest advice for anyone that wants to start doing like what we do or anything really, do it a couple times, complete it, and you're gonna know if you love it. Yeah. Even if what you did sucks, if you love it, you're gonna want to keep doing it. And that was that was my experience starting you know guitar YouTube stuff. I did like three videos, and like it was all I could think about. Like I want to do another. Yeah. I want to do another. I the like, same feeling. If you fall in love with it immediately, then it's like it's it, you're just going to do it, you know. It, and you can't force it if you don't if you don't love it. 
you're just going to spin out. Like, you know, there's, there's people that I've talked to and I've heard other people talk to that it's like, oh, yeah, I want to I start a YouTube channel, but I really don't like editing. I really don't like uh-huh. doing this and that. And yeah. I'm going to try to find yeah. someone. It's like, you're not going to do it. Yeah, right. You, 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 you don't love it, so yeah. you're not going to do it. It's like saying, I want to be in a band, and I wanna, I'd love to, like, travel and be on the road, but I really hate driving, and I hate <laughs> flying. It's like, bro, this isn't for you. Right. This is not your career. The work of this isn't playing guitar. The work is everything behind the camera. Which is all creative though. It's Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of fulfillment in that. In in the the guitar part is the fun part most yeah. of the time. Like by the time you've gotten the the video idea all planned out and the shots all set up and everything going by that time when you're actually playing guitar and recording, that's like the easiest part of the whole thing. Sure. I think my advice is um, learn when to say something is done and put it out. Very true. Because, and this goes for more than just YouTube. This goes for songwriters or producers. Anytime you're making something that has your name on it that you're gonna, that you plan on releasing to the world, you can always make more revisions. You can always work on it. You can always make something better. You could always tweak that snare drum or fix that shot or color correct something a little better. At some point, you have to say this is finished and I'm putting this out, and I'm moving on to the next thing. Yeah. Because in that, in that practice of completion and that repetition, that's how you get better. Yeah. What I, what I love about YouTube and these platforms is that there's no concept of conformity. There's no, if I do this, I will be successful. Well, we, we do are, all have to do wireless plug videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But think of this. We're all here for Sweetwater. Sweetwater had us come all out. We're, I mean, you have Dolby Doss live improvisation, right? You have, you have session players. You have songwriters. You have gear fanatics. You and have, I'm here, too. Yeah. <laughs> and Ryan's here, too. And what I learned is lean into that hard. Whatever it is you're doing, lean into it. Because all you're trying to do is find more people like you, one at a time. That's it, one at a time. I, when I started my channel, I was talking to one person in the camera. Actually, I was talking to nobody. Think about how crazy that is. Right? Like, no, I had no idea who was watching on the end because it was nobody. But I thought I was talking to myself. I thought I was reaching out going, hey, does anyone else really, really care about the things I care about? And I found that that's how you start, and that's actually how you finish. It's how you keep going. Because this whole week, if you look at all the content that was created, it's not, nothing's overlapping. You guys wrote a song. I took guitars apart, right? Ryan was, Ryan. I was here. <laughs> <laughs> he was here too. And, and Dobie performed, right? It's, it's literally lean into the thing you do hard because you're not trying to, like I said, conform to whatever they want. You just find people that are like you. They're out there. Yeah. So that's totally. what I would say. And I would piggyback off of that even a little further because one of my mentors, without them knowing, is the author Seth Godin. And Seth, I think, is an American treasure, and I listen to him all the time. And one of the things he's huge on is community. And we're all building our own communities that overlap, and not because we want to skyrocket to the top and have the most amount of views or subscribers. It might be for some people, but for me... It's a connection with people that I truly want to help because I know someone in Idaho is watching me teach the dominant seven arpeggio and it changed their guitar playing life. And 
whether it's 20, 40, 50, a million people, if I can have that impact, that's what's most important for sure. Well, I, I know one of his quotes too, Seth Godin. He said, you want to have, if it's a restaurant, you want to have the best restaurant in the world. And that might be one restaurant, it might be a thousand restaurants. It's yeah. just as legitimate if it's one restaurant yeah. and the people that come to it. And I really believe that. It's, all our audiences are custom. They overlap. Right. But it's, we're all unique. Yeah, make, make only what you can make. Yeah. That's, that's really it's it. Build it and they will come to. Yeah, you know, every, every person that's been on the stage and has been at this, this festival, everyone makes something completely different. Even if you tried to make the same video, the same podcast, the same song, you you can't because we're all individuals. We all have different life experiences, and that's yeah, that's it. Make make what you can make. But we can all use Rhett's titles and thumbnails. Yeah. That's right. Okay. <laughs> well, not. which are often workshopped off of you and about six other YouTubers. So it's not <laughs> it's not. But uh, so to that point, Who are your thumbnail like influences? Really? <laughs> uh, Paul David's basically. Um, no, I think the best part of, and we can end on this, but the best part to me, and I think all of you hopefully would agree, of, of these kind of things and NAM and, and more events like this is, and, the, and doing this is the community. Like getting to know everyone that does this and everyone's stories and it's a pretty tight-knit community and it's, I've been really grateful to get to know like everybody Likewise. here this week. Yeah. It's been Likewise. awesome. It's really, a really cool. big sappy hug fest. We all love each other. It's really <laughs> gross and embarrassing. So yeah, anybody else have anything to finish with? Do I uh, smell like a barbershop? <laughs> I think that's a good smell, right? No, it's you Gibson. do smell so we really Gibson nice. Into a, uh, deluxe. It is. Like, we've had two. It's like two s- people sniffing Tim Pierce on camera. What time for all, is it right now? All yeah. eternity. Why so, do you smell like it. fresh soap? It's, it's seven o'clock it. at night. I actually kind of enjoy that comment. It's not bad. All right. It's an honest question. I, I do not well, smell like you yeah. right now. I feel like I don't smell like you right <laughs> I, now. I don't want to be rude, but Tim smells like hotel soap. That's right. <laughs> That's another good thing. That's what we all smell like. My wife would be very like pleased fresh, with that. Fresh it out was, of the box, but it's like the little one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It was a better question than which tube screamer should I buy. For, that's right. Yeah. Well, so here, I guess here. that's it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. This has, yeah, been amazing. So, we got applause. Uh, you know, like and subscribe, I guess. All that stuff. We'll see you all next week. Yay, bye. bye. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. It's been awesome. Thank you all. <laughs>